So when there's a children's moment and um, one of the children says that they like to get their food from the trash, all of the parents go, is that my kid? I know whose kid it was, and I'll never tell. So I asked Pastor Fernando, how did we do with the food drive? He said, well, we have about a day left. He said, we did really well. But we have some boxes yet to fill. I said, well, how long do they have? They, well, if they have some food to donate, they could get it to us by tomorrow. He said, we filled 20 boxes. They, had, they gave us 30 boxes. Ah, want the 30 boxes. And Kroger's like, literally, maybe we should just get up right now and go to Kroger. We'd be back by the time the service was supposed to be over. But I bet, you'd rather, I bet you came for a sermon today, so I'll make you a deal. You all, after the service, it's not far. It'll take you 15 minutes, maybe total, round trip. Get the food, bring it to Heritage Hall, we'll fill the boxes. Deal? I'll preach a sermon, you go to Kroger after. <laughs> Friends, I have a cold today, so don't be offended. I won't be at the door after. I just don't want to give it to you. There are 150 viruses, I guess. I heard that yesterday. A friend told me that yesterday. I have one of them, and I don't want to give it to you. Um, in fact, you're going to learn today that there's nothing wrong with just waving anyway. Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said from this pulpit that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there's anything said from this pulpit that's according to your will, let it be heard, as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe, and believing obey. Amen. In his book, Love Does, Bob Goff tells this story about a painting that he really loves. He describes it. He says, the puppeteer is an oil painting of an old guy with his family gathered around, and he's dangling a marionette from strings, making everybody laugh. He looks like he's telling everybody this great story. You can picture this. He says, I like the painting because I've always imagined myself kind of like the puppeteer with my kids and their children gathered around someday. He goes on to say that he wanted the painting, he wanted it so much, he wanted it more than food. And so he saved up for a year to buy it. And then he says, I finally called the guy at the gallery and told him I'd be coming to pick up the painting that afternoon. And when I walked into the gallery, there were two paintings waiting for me, two exact paintings of the puppeteer. I didn't understand, why were there two paintings? Well, come to find out, one of the paintings was a replica, meant to be out for show, while the original was kept in storage, away from harm. What you don't know about Bob Goff, but I do, because I'm reading this book with our Friday morning books and Bibles group, is that this guy lives life wide open. This is a man who takes 
big risks for the sake of love all the time. The book tells stories of trips to Uganda to save imprisoned children. He buys a fireworks show to help a stranger with a marriage proposal. He jailbreaks a dying friend from a hospital so that he can go on one last retreat with his family. Bob Goff is not the kind of person to put a priceless painting in a vault. He asks, well, dear reader, which one of the two paintings would you put up on the wall? Me too. I hung the real one and threw the fake one in the closet somewhere. This painting, I think, is a beautiful illustration, see what I did there, <laughs> of Goff's approach to life. It's a beautiful illustration of Goff's approach to life. He's so afraid, unafraid, he's so unafraid to put himself, his real self, out there. Not some phony replica of himself. Even if it means getting a few bumps and bruises along the way. This has been a real challenge for the group that I'm reading this book with. It's far-fetched, it's unrealistic, it's even unreasonable to put yourself out there in the way that Bob Goff puts himself out there. I can admit, even, that it's not wise to take on a transcontinental boat race with little to no formal training like he does. But still, there's something about his willingness to put himself out there with his love for people, his love for life, his love for God. I something about it that I find truly inspirational, his real self. I even challenged my book group. I said, all you have to do is wave this week. Just wave. You don't have to hike up the half dome in a blizzard or go on a trip with your children to advise a world leader like Goff does. Just use your three feet of influence to extend some casual friendliness to other human beings. And they all nodded at me, and it seemed like they agreed. Even if they didn't agree, I thought, you know what, as the leader, I'm going to try, and so I did. That day, I started waving to people. I started waving to people as I drove by them, and when I walked by someone on the street, I would just nod, you know. I said a casual hello to random people in the mall. Most people didn't even see me, by the way. They were too stuck here, right? <laughs> or they're deep in thought. One or two people took the opportunity to extend the conversation with me past what I was really comfortable. You know, I wanted to say, look, my assignment was to wave, not to hear your life story. <laughs> but I didn't say that. One person even tried to act as if they knew me, like we were high school friends or something. That was embarrassing for everyone. But still, it was a good feeling to make this, this brief connection with another human being, you know? Like, just for a moment, we were something more than these, this programmed bot machining through life from one checkpoint to another, as it seems like we are so often. So the next day, I set out to keep this up. 
My day began with a church meeting in Birmingham, and after the meeting, I, I came out of the church and I drove my truck out into a side street. And it was a side street that had two-way traffic, but it was a skinny street, and people were parked on both sides of the roads, which made it a one-way street for all intents and purposes. And as soon as I pulled out into that street, another car, of course, turned into it on the other end of the street. And we both kind of crept forward, not knowing how to let the other pass by. Finally, when we, we became close enough so that we could see one another, you know what I did? I waved. And she waved back and she rolled down her window and she said, hey, looks like we're stuck. I said, yeah, you know what? I'll back my truck up into this driveway and you can scoot by. And I looked behind me and there was a silver car and he was backing up. And so I just pulled the back end of my truck into that driveway with just the nose sticking out and she went on by. Before I pulled back out into the road, I looked at the man in the silver car and what did I do? I waved. It wasn't a long wave, but it was enthusiastic. And he didn't. <laughs> he did not wave. He did other things. <laughs> yeah. And then he rolled down his window. <laughs> and I thought I'd better roll down my window. And he was yelling. What's wrong with you? Why are you waving? And now I'm confused <laughs> and a bit annoyed. I said, I'm just trying to be, be friendly. And I tried to sound really self-assured, but I'm sure I sounded pathetic. And then he said, and these words will be etched in my mind. He said, I don't need friendly. I need you to get out of the way so that I can get on with my life. Yikes. That's the story of the prodigal son. I don't need this relationship. I don't need this connection with you. I need you, Father, to get out of the way so that I can get on with my life. That's the story of the prodigal son. I don't need this. I need you to get out of the way so I can get on with my life. I mean, really? Doesn't he know he was going to end up in a sermon someday? <laughs> I dare you. Is this what I get for putting myself out there? You know, like Bob Goff tends to do. I started to get worried about my group, too. You know, that I'd given this assignment to. What had, what had I put them in the way of? It also makes me worried about what I encourage all of you to do, you know, this trip to Kroger or wherever it is, to live out, live out there with love. What is it that you're, you're going to be risking? I mean, I have this dream of a church that, that is a hub for people of goodwill to come and be gathered and to be scattered, to live life out there for the sake of love. Doesn't that sound amazing? 
But it turns out putting yourself out there is actually a huge risk. Most people focus, when they come to this Bible passage, they focus on the younger son and the way that he puts himself out there and how much of a risk that is. And when I say, let's get out there, I don't mean let's get out there in the way that the younger son put himself out there. He gets out there for his own sake, right? Turn instead to the father in today's text, because the father gets out there too, right? When his son comes home, he gets out there. He comes out of the living room. He comes off the front step, and he meets his son even before he gets all the way home. That's what I mean. He got out there for another's sake, out there for the sake of the love that he had for his son. That's what it means to be the church, I think, to get out there with love for another's sake. It's what it means to be a Christian. Right? Because it is in this same way that God puts himself out there for us. God comes out of his house in the person of his son Jesus to meet us where we are. Before we get all the way home, God comes out of his house to meet us where we are for the sake of love, even when some of us are a far distance from home. And as it turns out, and we're going to learn this on Good Friday in just a few weeks, as it turns out, it wasn't safe for God to do that, was it? There was damage to come for someone that lived so freely out there for the sake of others. Seems like that's just the way it is. From middle school, trust me, I have a middle schooler. Very strange for a middle schooler to live out there for the sake of love. Risky for a middle schooler to do that, right? But we face that in our entire lives. We're all just big middle schoolers, taking the same ridicule that we took in the sixth grade for being something a little different, something a little kinder. We can't help it. We live in a world that's addicted crushing those that crack open the good. That painting, the puppeteer, the one I told you about, the one in Bob Goff's house, well, it wasn't going to be safe either, not in his house, because he had the kind of house where they have rubber band wars all the time. And he recalls waking up one morning, looking at the painting and dropping his jaw. He says, the night before, the best I could tell, the, pup, the puppeteer had taken a rubber band right to the face. I'm not kidding, there was a mark right in the middle of his almost priceless forehead. But I'm still taken by its beauty, he goes on. Do you think I see the damage when I look at the puppeteer each morning? Not at all. The reason is simple. The rubber band, the rubber band mark reminds me exactly and fondly of my kids. 
It's pretty clear from watching Jesus' followers, past and present, that when you risk the real you, you'll probably take a hit. God did when he hung Jesus out there, but one thing I know is this. When we do take hits, and we will, God isn't going to think less of us. He loves us even more, rubber band marks and all. And that beautiful truth, truth of the puppeteer, is portrayed again at the end of the story of the prodigal son, isn't it? Because right there, when the damaged one comes home, when the younger son comes home and he's damaged, the father doesn't scold him but sends for the robe and the ring and sets off a homecoming party for the ages. So if you come damaged, know you come damaged to one who welcomes the damaged. That beautiful thing, I think, is good news for all of us who put ourselves out there and have come home with rubber band marks on us for one thing or another. Whether we've been living our life out there for our own sake or whether we're living our lives out there with, a, with love in a world fluent in a language of ridicule, we come home, we come to church, we come to this place, we come to God knowing that this is a ridicule and a damage that God knows too. Because when he sent his son to this far off distant place, he sent him not only to show us what love looks like, but also to help us to learn our way back home. Because see, unlike the story in scripture, when God's son comes home, he doesn't come home to the father alone. There's a line behind him, a line a mile long. A line full of sons and daughters, rubber band marks on all of us from being out there. I'm in that line. You're in that line. Bob Goff is in that line. And I bet the man in the silver car is in the line too. You know, the one that wanted to get on with his life. Wherever his life was going on that day, I hope he ends up in that line on another day. The one that leads all the damaged people back to God. Because that is a line that not only leads to home, but leads to a party. A party, a raucous party. One with food and laughter and music. I hope by then, he has, and I hope by then we all have been out there enough out there for the sake of love. Because even though it won't always be easy, living out there for the sake of love is the only way we will really learn how to dance. Amen.